Welcome to the New Habits Podcast, where executives and MVPs from Microsoft Partners discuss the Microsoft Teams application and its use in enterprises. Hello, I'd like to welcome everybody to the New Habits Podcast. Um, this podcast is hosted by myself, Susie Dean. I'm the Chief Executive at Add-in 365, uh, and we have a permanent panel of uh, guests sharing their thoughts. Um, first up, we have uh, Victor Velen. Uh, secondly, we have Paul Schaeflein, and thirdly, we have Wes Hackett. They're all MVPs I'm sure you've heard of, uh, and they can tell you a little bit more about what they've been doing uh, with Teams in a moment. To set the scene, I wanted to give a very brief overview about what the New Habits podcast is. Um, this has primarily been organized to help shape people's understanding of the Microsoft Teams service in terms of what's possible, what it can do, the use cases for some of the capabilities, but also paying particular attention to the new API and extensibility uh, capabilities um, that are now available. What should those be used for, when, how, and why? So, um, without any further ado, I'm going to uh, hand over to uh, Victor, then Paul, then Wes, who can uh, introduce themselves. Thanks, Susie. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Victor Villian, uh, working for Avanade as our global innovation lead for Modern Workplace. I'm super excited about this uh, new podcast where we're going to talk about everything in Teams. Uh, over to Paul. Hello, I'm Paul Schaeflein. I have been working with Teams for a while now, doing a bit of training. You may have seen some of the information I've done about that. I'm, I am a technical architect at our Addins 365, working on our product, and I'm co-host of the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast, and so I'm hoping to cross the streams here and get some experts involved if we need to, and look forward to questions from everyone. Cool. So my name is Wes Hackett. I'm a CTO at Addins 365, so I work with Paul and Susie, um, and Work with Teams day in, day out, Microsoft Graph day in, day out. So uh, really exercising the, the Teams API extensibility and, and what you can achieve with line of business uh, apps, etc., with Microsoft Teams. Thank you all for your introductions. I want to really start with some basics um, and do that by looking at the Teams App Store. Um, what is it? Why does it exist? I think we've all uh, clicked that button to the to the far right and seen 50 different icons come up, and I think most people just close it again, don't they? Um, so it would be really good if we could kick off, um, perhaps with you, Paul, uh, giving us a little bit of an overview of what is the Teams App Store, perhaps technically, um, what is it designed to do? What does it give us? Uh, and then, Wes, it would be great if we could hear a little bit from you um, on why it exists, why have Microsoft introduced it, uh, and Victor, it would be wonderful if you could then pick up on um, some of the common scenarios uh, that we might have for um, for some of those apps, just to set the scene so that the listeners um, sort of have a picture of what that app store is for. So Microsoft Teams has an extensibility capability, and the App Store is Microsoft's uh, pro entryway for that, if you will, for either companies or ISVs to, to get in front of users. And so uh, the, this is a, a typical pattern that we've seen in, in the computing industry these days. Mobile platforms have App Stores, and Windows itself has an App Store as well. And it's really just a, a way, a formalized way that allows 
third parties who, or even different teams in Microsoft to get uh, applications or extensions to the Microsoft Teams platform in front of the users in a single way to deploy them. And then obviously the behind the scenes, they can do any technical and, and legal and, and marketing capabilities behind the scenes. So that, that's its primary goal is to deliver the applications, give us a standard way for us to publish and, and a standard way for users to consume. I, I think the that the real benefit is that the big differentiation between Skype and Teams here. Skype is was essentially or is still an audio video chat kind of thing, whereas Teams uh, with the extensibility story around apps it makes uh, the conversations much more richer. And I think that's a big value. And, and we see that going uh, in all similar kind of products as well. So I think that's the interesting part and that that's why I think the App Store was there from day one, essentially. Yeah, and I think you make you make great points around it, it, it's bringing together the, the the content and the conversations aspects and that app store capability allowing you to both internally expose line of business as well as go out and use some of the external SaaS services that the organisation's already leveraging. You know, thinking about you know planning capabilities such as Trello or or uh, some of the storage mechanisms, Box, some of the the other things that that the average employee potentially is already using them and bringing them back into an enterprise scope and thinking about how that experience between talking about content, generating content and, and leveraging it to, to drive business processes can be achieved. So just for uh, the benefit of anybody listening that, that's perhaps less familiar with that Teams app store, it's accessed when we have created a team, we look along that navigation bar and there's a plus there. If we click on it, a number of apps uh, are visible and available to us. Uh, are there any other ways that we might be accessing yeah, apps from the, within our teams? The biggest way outside of, you know, directly into the store is, is Microsoft Graph. So the recent GA of the Teams endpoints has allowed us to um, dynamically and programmatically inject apps into the Teams experiences for teams that exist, as well as create teams that uh, and pre-populate um, those apps into uh, that particular team. So that gives, uh, you know, if you're thinking about an enterprise scenario, that gives you the opportunity to uh, pre-configure the installation maybe of Power BI and then the additional pieces around pinning that Power BI dashboard into a tab um, to give the team a pre-configured state um, for the employees. You know, that's 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 where you're combining the power of a, an internal app store and line of business with um, programmatic ability to provision, I guess. Yeah, and then also what you define as an app, right? An app in the Microsoft Teams are, are many things. It could be a combination of the tabs that you, you mentioned, Suzy Weekly, kind of plus, and you add a tab. But it could also be a bot, for instance, or what the, the messaging extensions where you enhance the conversation. So the, the, the definition of an app has many things, or the connectors, which are the Office 365 connectors that you used to already. Okay, so the sort of... Uh, when we talk about the Teams App Store, we're talking about things that are available to the end user out of the box effectively that's accessed from that plus. But we're also talking about um, applications that might have been developed uh, by a partner or an in-house development team that's that sort of tenant-wide uh, app uh, built, as you were saying, was potentially using Microsoft Graph, um, which is then sort of rolled out, if you like, behind the scenes to everybody uh, w within the organization to use that. Um, 
I mean, who is using apps? Uh, firstly, in the um, sort of Teams store there where we have gone to that plus, uh, and then let's talk perhaps a little bit around some of some of our own experiences with uh, organisations that have built those enterprise-wide um, apps uh, and what they've been about. Because um, you, you know, full transparency here, um, I was aware of that plus and all those apps a long time ago and I rarely add anything more than a planner so um, it would be interesting to hear your thoughts on on who's using those those uh, apps and what for in your experience we could start by defining there as actually two kinds of apps as well so you have those apps you add into teams such as the team the, the planner tab etc but there's also the concept of a personal app which you get them if you click on the ellipses on the left hand side then you have your personal app which represents a personal view that doesn't have the actual team context uh, so planner for instance if you choose that personal app version of the app you will see your your plan uh, planner tasks or whatever they call across all the different kind of teams. So that's important to know as well. So you have those two ways of actually finding your apps, either in, within a team or with actually now also within a group conversation uh, and then also that personal scope of an app. And that's, and that's a big distinction because the, the context in which you're interacting with an app or interacting with teams is important. <clears throat> Did I intend to say something in public? Did I just want to do one-on-one? -on -one? Uh, those are our primary distinctions, and it, it helps to, as you're creating an app or thinking about delivering an app to your customers, w what makes sense for what they're trying to accomplish and what scope would they be in. And, and you mentioned how, you know, there's the plus, which is just the tab strip, but you can invoke the app store from four or five different places within the application. And again, it, it, it's going to be a better experience for your end users if we understand this scope or this context that they're working in and, and get them something that helps them right there and then. So, uh, Paul, it would be good to explore that uh, a little bit more because uh, I'm not sure people are necessarily aware that you can sort of invoke an app from four or five different places. What are those places? So, as you mentioned, uh, I can click on the plus and the tab strip and that lists a bunch of tabs that are installed and at the very bottom there's a link to show apps. There is the ellipsis, as Victor mentioned, on the left-hand side that'll get me my personal apps and there's a add more link in there. There is an actual um, store application down or store icon down in the bottom left of your of your thing. And then as well at the top across that top bar, you can invoke certain commands as well. So uh, there's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. Again, it's just a lot of different places where it shows up. And then the, the adding an app experience can also be somewhat confusing as well. So um, obviously it's a little tough in an audio podcast to cover them all, but that's generally where people would go. And like I said, if you're in a team and you want to uh, uh, invoke the app store there, you should probably just go to the manage team section. Or if you are uh, in a one-on-one, -on -one, I would start with the ellipsis on the left-hand side. And, and that's the primary entry points. I think they'd be less confusing for for users. I think I think there's a there's a challenge I'm seeing. You know, we've been we've been rolling out teams for a very long time now. And one of the things that I see time and time again is this side, this, you know, Susie sort of hinted at it, which is I don't really add many apps to my team. I don't know that thing exists. And I, I, I you know, the discoverability of an app experience is, is somewhat lacking, I feel, for the average business user because they kind of don't know what they don't know. So I think the, the, the challenge with, with the technologies, you, you, is really based back in the communication space, which is, as an organization, how do you 
improve that digital literacy for the employee to understand that there's something they can bolt in into that team's experience that's going to make their life a little easier is it going to be a personal app as you said victor where you might you might want to deliver something like a, an hr centric experience but you don't want that to be out in public so you want to only expose that to personal so so how do how do people sort of connect the dots in an organization when they're very busy they've got lots of things that they're working on and doing you know how do we how do, how do you think we get that messaging across to a to an organization user base well going back uh perhaps and asking an even tougher question, is it too early for there to be a Teams app store? If we think about uh, the amount of time and energy as, as partners we spend onboarding people into the basics of uh, chat files and what a step change that is from email and file share, uh, is there an argument for saying, you know, the fact we have this very rich app store capability with existing apps, the ability to create new apps. Um, it, it, is this all just a little bit premature for where the vast majority of people are at? Uh, and that's a question I'd throw out to all of you. I don't think it's too premature to have the app store in there. I think that's a good thing they had it from, from day one. So they have been able now to gain experience from that. And uh, we, all of us three, uh, yeah. Paul, uh, Wes and me have had discussions with the product team on this, how they can improve it as well. So, and they're listening to that and they want to improve that experience. So I think that's good that they had it out uh, right from the beginning, uh, making it available for us. Of course, as you know, they only launched the corporate app store just uh, recently this summer. So I think that was, uh, for me, when I'm talking to my clients, they're more interested in their line of business applications rather than the actual applications that exist in the store today. But also, given the competition in this chat space, uh, it has to be there, right? Otherwise, uh, yeah. they wouldn't have gained that yeah. much uh, attention and, and traction, and then it would just be in a new glorified Skype version. Yeah, and I don't, I, 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 they probably could have called it something other than a store, because it's not like mm. anyone's you know, walking up to a checkout counter, but the, they certainly absolutely has to be a distribution mechanism. We're seeing it in every ecosystem, and so it, it has to be there. And so, um, and, and it does make things easier for an end user to acquire. As Wes said, the discovery is a bit of an issue. But once I'm in there and I start looking around, it certainly is easy enough to do a couple clicks and, and have, have, uh, have the app installed. So it's certainly worthwhile. So, so I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think they were premature with it. I think... To Victor's point, the arrival of the corporate app store was late. Mm. Right? I think that that should have been day one, uh, and even potentially ahead of the public stuff. Because if you think about the number of use cases that an enterprise, you know, this is an enterprise platform after all. I know there's, uh, you know, free SKUs to encourage those sort of uh, competitor users to to jump into Teams, but unlocking the enterprise ability to deliver these line of business application experiences that they want to do into teams via a, an app installation mechanism you know it's called a store but you know let's face it it's adding widgets to the to the team's experience i still think there's a there's a big hole here though which is how we tell employees how we how we tell them that there's things that exist in there that that are useful and should be followed. You know, as an enterprise, there's a lot of opportunity, I think, in, in simplifying the combinations of software, you know, loose coupled architectures where you've got bits of different platforms brought together into a team's experience. Um, I know, Paul, you can talk at great length about adaptive cards and Victor built one in the, the last dev kitchen we were all attending. So 
you know, there's there's a there's a really sexy way of getting content in and out of teams, but finding stuff. I mean, I, I still think it's falling very short on on employee experience in that respect. But I mean, is do we think it's adding or to the confusion or helping people that there are five different ways? to get to the store because uh, arguably something more visible i.e. more prominent one way uh, is going to lead to greater discoverability than the current piece now where you sort of have to know to click on the ellipses or know to click on a plus um, if, if we're throwing advice at the, at the team's product group in terms of what we think might work better, what would it be? I, I have to say I would personally go with something more prominent, more visible, and probably one way of doing it. So there's a couple of things here. Uh, first of all, Wes mentioned the, the, the graph and, and the new APIs in the graph where we can provision teams with apps in there already. So we can have project uh, templates kind of things. Uh, so the provisioning stuff, we can do that. That's one thing, uh, and which I think will, will be uh, even further enhanced going forward. Um, the second thing I forgot right now, but I think, uh, the, I think that's the important thing to understand those kind of features that we, we can actually do that now to, to to, to either, either promote those applications that we prefer and uh, that our end users should use. And, and if you look at the App Store today, I don't know how there's 100 or, or 115 different kind of apps in there. Yeah, the second thing was essentially the, uh, the, the big problem for me is that the whole office division within Microsoft, how many stores do they have? Every kind of application have their own stores. There is no coherent store story. So to say, and I think that is one of the big issues. There should be one like store.office.com. You go in there and find all the different kind of apps and, and combine that with your corporate app store as well. Given going back to one of the things about the application. So working for Avanad, where we are really serious about the security and stuff, we have essentially turned all of those third party apps off by default because there's too much risk in, in sending our data to an arbitrary service somewhere where we have no control. So our end users don't have uh, these apps to choose from and we have to enable them on one by one basis if there's an actual need for that and we have subscription for that third party service and whatnot. Paul, what were your thoughts? Well, I was just uh, uh, going to counter your, your thoughts about having a single place to go find something and, and as I, I see it, the this context-based selection working well but again kind of depends on getting users to understand so so to your point there is a single button it says store in the bottom left that you can click on that but again knowing where I'm at and understanding what I'm adding and and where it'll show up to to Wes's point about an HR application that shouldn't be available in a in a team's or in a group situation technically probably so so I I, I think it's good there but again I would I would reinforce Victor's point about the the store story and and I know Microsoft is pushing toward app source which includes Azure and and all kinds of of add-ins as well so it, it really gets gets confusing to know where to put your stuff if you're developing it but um, I, I think that's going to change over time Microsoft is not shy at making a new attempt at making stores so I'm sure we'll see several of them as, as the product matures yeah and it was worth mentioning they they have the app source already uh, although I don't really like that experience uh, app source you can find uh, power bi apps and dynamics apps and whatnot i i think to me that it's not uh, that good for end users uh, experience there is uh, could be vastly improved yeah. yeah without a doubt there's too much noise in there right if i'm looking for something in teams yeah. and i see eight million apps yeah. for azure it's kind of confusing it's it's almost like 
we could do with some kind of little hidden thing that's watching conversations, you know, that you can enable at Enterprise. I mean, there's a lot of nuances to this idea, but where you could sit there and be watching the interactions in a team that has no apps installed and be sitting there saying, well, actually, when we see them start talking about a document, let's try and highlight Planner as an ability to plan the creation and maintenance of that content. You know, I think Microsoft pushing this kind of AI AI experience across Office 365 from a search capability point of view, that to me is the natural evolution of that is, well, there's a bunch of stuff that's indexable and, and, and metadata can be associated to it in the store. Why not bundle that into search? So when somebody does a search for something, it's also saying, hey, your enterprise has some apps that will help you in Teams for that as well. And, you know, it seems to seems to fall surface. Yeah, and but... Uh, we're all quite technical here, and that's how we think. But I think a lot of this has to do with how you, you know, the, how you essentially roll out Microsoft Teams, how you do change during that period, and actually train those ambassadors or whatever you're going to super use, you're going to call them to to teach them how to use these kind of applications. I've seen that happening if they start using Planner. You mentioned that too, being the, the the one you use all the time. If you see that being used in one team, you're going to use that in your other teams as well. So uh, you, essentially, you need to, to train your end users and make them understand, here's an app store. And, and you can work with the, the communications internally if you want to highlight. For instance, you have one of those third parties, such as Trello. Uh, or Evernote, whatever. If you have that, start uh, communicating that so and get it into your change program. So something that uh, has been mentioned by a few of um, you guys is that actually looking at that context-driven approach to determining what the right um, Teams app is to use is the right one, whether as an organization you're almost preloading at tenant level um, or you're advising end users, your champions and so on to use uh, effectively the right app for the job dependent on what that team is, is designed to do. Um, how does uh, the line of business um, sort of app approach fit with the more Silicon Valley style uh, apps that are available in the market? Um, is one model universally better than the other? It sounds like all, all of you guys are talking much more uh, along the lines of the line of business apps being a better fit for um, the way people actually work uh, and might adopt these things. But I want to I interrogate that a little bit more. So it's it's interesting, isn't it? You mentioned the sort of Silicon Valley aspects of the public store. And when you look down that list of apps, it, it's what most IT directors would call shadow IT. And I think there's there's this continuous friction between ease of use, innovation in the public space, innovation within the Microsoft ecosystem, and a CIO or a CTO of an organization and security teams of an organization, you know, Victor mentioned that Avanard are being very proactively, uh, you know, proactively managing the applications that are available to their employee base. When, when you think about the viability of, of an organization in a small SME, you might just say, hey, go, go out to the market, grab Trello, grab, um, you know, the Adobe cloud piece, grab whatever you need to get your job done. The, the, the enterprise really de determines its own footprint of how valuable I think those public store apps are, um, which is interesting because obviously the, the launch with the public store, the launch with many of the SaaS services 
um, came with that. Like, you know, Teams is enabling all of this shadow IT to be brought into the enterprise. And, you know, and it's, it, there's a friction there. There's a friction between the security posture and, and the enterprise ease of use um, that shadow IT sometimes brings. If you turned lots of things off within Office 365, you'll generate more usage of things outside of the boundary of your organization. That's a natural side effect of being overly cautious uh, with Office 365 adoption. And, and, you know, I think there's a there's a tension there that continues even with Teams. Paul, Victor, <laughs> anything? Yeah. What, what he said. No, I absolutely agree. <laughs> but, 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 but in all seriousness, are, are you all in, all in agreement on that? Yeah, and then I think actually having the, when you mentioned the Silicon Valley versus the line of business applications, so the line of business applications goes directly into the heart of your business, right? They are... A, connected to your productivity production systems or factories on and whatnot whereas when i open up the app store i see i look at the start page here i see 16 apps uh, four five six of them i've never heard of before and one of them is a complete hr solution uh, so i i don't I think that causes confusion for the end users. You don't see which one are first-party apps. You don't see which one are your apps. So you just see a lot of apps in there. So if you don't have a governance of that and take control of that, you, Wes mentioned it, you're starting that rogue IT. And, and in worst case, you're leaking information to, to some site you have no control over or whatever. And, and that's not going to make your employee experience better and suddenly your IT support uh, team will get a lot of questions. Why doesn't this app work uh, connected to our HR system? It's at the complete HR solution here. So those kind of things will, will just make the, the experience worse. Yeah, and that, and that kind of ties into a, a point that, that I see when talking to people new to Teams and new to development. It's that it, people aren't just walking down the street and they launch the Teams app store and say, what am I going to do today? I'm going to play around, right? They have a defined purpose in mind. And, and I like to say we have a group of humans trying to do a job, and their job is not to struggle with teams and their job is not to, to fight over the fight the computer they're, they're trying to get their job done and so it's incumbent upon an IT department or a, a champion user or or an ISV to uh, communicate how they can solve a specific business problem and it just so happens if you want to install the app it's in the app store so you want to click on the store button and type in my product name or my company to find me don't pay attention to all the shiny whistles right it's like going to to Las Vegas and, and say well you know we're, we're heading to the conference, we're heading to the casino. So it's really uh, incumbent upon, I think, the, the, the maker of the application to get that message out and, and do that because people aren't going to just show up and click in there just to, to kill time. But we also know from experience, you know, looking at our mobile phones, how we use apps there. I don't know how many apps I downloaded and then used once and then throw away. And I guess the same thing is happening in Teams as well for these. You download it, try it, oh, it wasn't for me, and then you throw it away. Uh, but yeah, it causes frustration uh, if you don't get the right app and, and there's tons of apps doing the same kind of thing. So back again to you need to have a communications plan and, and work with your end users and, and, and guide them. These are the apps that we, we can help you with. These fit into our how we work, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, one thing that is piece that is missing, especially if you're looking at the larger organization, is the granularity of these apps. So if I enable an app, it's enabled for everyone. So and assume you have an HR solution. Uh, most likely only HR is going to use that. So if we could tweak that and have that to a certain group or a certain audience, that would make the story much, much better. And then we could promote these kind of applications for certain horizontals or verticals or, or um, special interest groups, etc. So if you, were, you guys were king for the day, it sounds like um, 
you you might be kicking out some of the traditional shadow IT vendors, the the more Silicon Valley Trellos and so on from the Teams App Store. Is that right? I mean, is it really no. the case that that Microsoft can't draw some of those uh, users in using the App Store? No, I wouldn't kick them out, but I would make the governance of it much better. So right now it's on or off, essentially. Uh, I would make it that easier or a, a better way for me as a company to manage the App Store, both in terms of how I promote applications. Right now there's uh, uh, more or less hard-coded applications that they promote. I would like to promote from my organization's point of view. These are the, ones, these are the applications we recommend you, you to start using. Yeah, it, it's, it's the, scenar it's the scenar scenario around... For me, it's the scenario around the Discover because you jump into the store now, it shows you all of the external services and then you have to drill in to get your internal services. Mm. It's totally the wrong way around in my mind. It's not It's not about removing the access to those external services. They're all great services. You know, like Trello, we keep talking about as a planning service. It's got lots and lots of features and lots of users are already using it in an approved fashion across many enterprises. But it's the the wrong focus. You know, in, in real terms, the SharePoint store kind of got it right because it said this is this is a blend of all the things that your organizations are making available to you and you could scope them. You could use permissions and some nerdy bits to to allow that to appear to a certain user base. Uh, you know, and Victor's right. It, it, if, if you've got an HR Teams app, you want to push that to every single member of the organization potentially, you know, in a personal context. To, to give them access to that app in you know in that team's experience there just isn't the mechanism to do that without lots of you know effectively bespoke coding or scripting because you know new people join you need to run that script again it would be great if the store story really aligned better with an enterprise's communications and rollout approach that says you are frontline new business people you get these set of capabilities promoted to you because that's what we know you think you know the way of working is your hr people you get this you're an employee of the organization you get this common set of sweet sweet toys so you know that's my thoughts on yeah that. absolutely and it's another thing there in the if you take a look at the app store uh, how they organize the, the actual applications they start with organize them by uh, application type that is an, an, an application a bot the tab a connector a messaging and for an end user, that doesn't make sense. They want to do something. And, so, and then after that, they come with actual categories of the, the education, HR, productivity, et cetera. It should be the opposite around. Uh, and if you ask an, an end user, what is a connector? What is, this, what is a messaging application? They have no idea, right? It strikes me that, um, and I think this does go beyond Teams and uh, you know the, the, the new APIs in the App Store that we're talking about today, but it, I do get the impression that sometimes Microsoft does suffer from a multiplicity problem, which is uh, there's a desire to make technology as open as possible in order to get the best use and adoption uh, as possible. Um, and where on the surface, and I think certainly from a technical perspective, that can seem to make very logical sense. When you start to look at things from the perspective of the end user, it, it, it creates confusion uh, and actually what we've seen historically 
is that the simplest tools are best adopted. So, Victor, earlier you were talking about the difference between Skype and Teams, and you know, Skype was just a chat and conference, and, and Teams can allow us to do so much more. But I'm always uh, it, it, to the back of my mind when I'm thinking about those two technologies, um, always thinking, yes, but Skype was always very well adopted precisely because it only did those two things. Um, so, so, so it's quite, it's an interesting paradigm um, because, you know, if I were certainly king for the day, I would start simple and build as the maturity of my, my user base does, but, but there is a um, multiplicity habit at Microsoft. Uh, and I think we're seeing that a lot in this Teams discussion. It, and and the part of that multiplicity, even in this Silicon Valley versus line of business, would, and really what we didn't say, but we're kind of saying is small business versus large yeah. enterprise. And and my Teams, Microsoft and my, and the Microsoft Teams team, neither one of them want to exclude half of you know, one of those parties. They, they want to be open, inclusive to everybody. Yeah. And so when you have something built to cover every single scenario, it's complex to get it to work the way you want. And Fortunately, we've all done SharePoint enough that we can say, well, here's a good way that you could do something or of the 16 ways you could accomplish that, here's one or two that might work for you. So uh, yes, you're absolutely right. There is this multiplicity and there is this you know, multiple personalities. And, and I think they want it that way on purpose just because who knows what's going to stick and, and take off. There's, a, there's a, a slight, for me, there's a slight comedy in the sense that Teams as an application started quite with with the number of simple easy to use features and as we've moved through the last 18 months of it being publicly available we're tipping more and more boxes of lego over the top of it of features and apps and capabilities and the the pure cognitive load required to roll this out to a team now is is actually becoming quite a draining experience you can't just say it's the combination of chat and content because now you've got to do its chat, its content, its external apps, its internal apps, its private personal apps, its team apps. You know, I think I think we're going to get to a critical mass where it's just going to be like, whoa, this is this has become SharePoint again in, in the sense of it's a toolbox for everybody. But just to dive in and use, we need so much work. And, and teams of you know, with the App Store, there's just an entry point into that ecosystem. It is the case that the um, partner ecosystem is there to step in and to simplify that, though. I mean, certainly um, the work that uh, Paul, Wes and I have been doing with adding 365 customers, we do tell a very simple story from a platform and a service that's perhaps a, a lot more complex than that. Uh, and certainly some of the points made earlier around thinking about that context-driven use of Teams and Teams apps, uh, it is a wonderful way to onboard. We do it, we certainly would recommend other partners do it and that customers think about onboarding that way. Um, but actually that, that, that anyway leads to some very interesting questions around whether or not organizations should be buying or building apps. Um, we've talked about the fact that, um, yes, you've got your big, uh, I think you said, Victor, HR in a box style applications, but equally we do have those point process, help you do a single thing apps, which seems incredibly sensible um, uh, and, uh, and easy to use. But, you know, if, if we're looking at uh, enterprise uh, organizations, uh, would the general advice be have a look in the App Store, see if there's something already there um, that, that meets your huge or very narrow requirement 
um, or, or should they be thinking thinking about um, uh, building instead? The reason that I think this is a particularly interesting conversation to have now um, is because, uh, you know, we've all come from this sort of SharePoint background where we all custom built things for years and years and years and there's a huge um, focus on, on products uh, and as Microsoft uh, have sort of developed SharePoint to become a very comprehensive service, we're all sort of back to building bits again. Um, so when I'm asking the, 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 the you know, should organizations be buying or building apps, it's a, it's a general question, but it's also one I think we need to think about from the standpoint of teams and the evolution of that service. Yeah, I, I agree, uh, absolutely. If there's uh, stuff in there uh, in, in the store that you can use, then by, by all means use that. And there are some really good apps uh, that we I use on a daily basis. Uh, most of them are, are connected to the 365 service, but you have the Flow, you have the Azure DevOps and whatnot. So there's some really, but there are other third-party apps that are interesting as well. But but there's no way there's going to be any tech dynamics is, is a good example. I assume that you have a lot of information in dynamics and dynamics is very configured for your organization and your process, etc. And I, I doubt there will be a, a really good dynamics integration in there. So you probably need to tweak that for your needs. So some kind of integration. The good thing with the, the Teams apps, most likely coming into that in more detail in, in, in episodes coming down the line, but they are quite the, the applications are quite thin, essentially. They, they might be just a, a, a quick in, uh, uh, integration, like a webhook or something that sends a notification. Uh, there might be just an embedded web page, uh, some application you already have that you can put the team's context upon, or they could be super advanced when you build a custom bot or something. So it doesn't have to be that much uh, custom coding and, and building. Uh, you can cr create quite a thin layer uh, and just have it enabled in Teams. Any kind of web application you have today is it's not hard to add as a uh, Teams application. And uh, again, going back to the point where these mm. humans in a team mm. are trying to do a job, and their job is not to fight with the technology. So, so I I would typically uh, or, or what I'm explaining to developers, you want to just find the, the one piece that people want, and if it's a web page, just wrap it in a little tab, and off you go. If it's if it's some data you need to put out, find a way to, to pull it out of your system and, and get what's the best way to put it in front of users. So I, I would lean more toward it's probably a build answer instead of buy, but the build story for Teams doesn't have to be as expensive as it is for other platforms. Like you would, the typical buy versus build decision is, you know, million dollar applications and that doesn't have to be that. So certainly is going to be best for your users if you find the one or two things they need and and build an interface for them to, to do that. Yeah, and we also seen that right now how the, the SharePoint team, for instance, they, they're making the SharePoint framework uh, web parts available uh, as um, tabs in Teams. You can build once and deploy twice, essentially. That's one of the, the signs we see that, uh, that, that if you build something custom in SharePoint, it will be easier to get into Teams. And that's also how I see Teams when it comes to websites, as you mentioned, Paul. Uh, if you build a website, why not Teams enable it uh, and, and, and have the user have the option of either going to the website or using the application as is, or if they want to stay in Teams, they do so. Yeah, right. and, and that SharePoint web part is a great example where there's a lot of things in SharePoint, but when I'm in a team, a lot of that doesn't mm. apply. And so just mm. a bit. And so there was some work that the SharePoint team did to let me pull just the web part UI and put it in Team. So if you have a website, 
find an alternate page that uh, that really just focuses your users on the task they're trying to accomplish so um thinking about uh legacy applications that people might have uh on their old platforms um should organizations be thinking about those in in relation to uh sort of redeveloping them to be teams enabled and and to pull those through or does teams demand a radical rethink of traditional applications we, we might have lurking around or perhaps on old uh, on-premises uh platforms well well i think it's a it's a two-part answer the the, the first is you can get a quick return on any extension you know, if you've got an existing, say, for example, MVC web application that's running some kind of line of business application to, to teams enable that and, uh, and make it available as a tabbed experience within the team's um, app immediately puts it in the fingertips of where other things are happening, conversations, content in SharePoint. It's bringing that single pane of glass that Microsoft talk about back to the user with your extended website. The second part is, you know, you talk about re-envisaging how that experience feels. Well, that's a much bigger conversation because when you start having a large portion of your employee base actively in Teams working day to day, day to day, then suddenly it makes a lot more sense to look at how do you enable that scenario, that business scenario you've built in that model of working where it isn't. 250 emails with loads of file attachments it's conversations with files links stuff like that you know how do you dovetail that line of business in so i think i think that area is, is very exciting but very complex for for a user experience designer to get right because as victor said does an employee understand what a bot is nope do they know what a connector is nope do they know what a tab is not really although if you train them they kind of learn some of those names but it's not business language it's not stuff they they understand so when you're thinking about user experience and how to reimagine it for that application container you again you need to think about okay how do i make that job just as simple with my my, my reimagined app paul i'd love to hear your thoughts on how you might uh, actually look to move a legacy app uh, to teams so first thing is figure out identity <laughs> your favorite and topic. then <laughs> My favorite topic, absolutely. Right, so um, it really is, and this can be done even for on-premise systems, but it really is as simple as you need to make sure you understand who who the user is that's knocking on the door, if you will. And, and ideally, like if I could start from scratch, we would certainly tear the application down and get a service layer on there and put a make sure it's secure and, and can understand the Azure Active Identity so I know who the end user is that's coming through. And then, and again, to Wes's point about the user interface, what is what is an appropriate user interface, right? And and then um, and and I can get quick wins with the with the website, but if I want to go to the next level, if you will, I want users to interact with my app instead of just click pointing and clicking inside the uh, the, the web page. You certainly have to start taking a step back and thinking through what are what is the common flow, if you will, through the application? What do people do, and and what information do they do they want to do uh, get accomplished? And is there a better way to surface that? Can I can I send a card? Can I send a notification? Can I can I collect information from them in in, in, a, in a quicker fashion instead of having to load all that? So, 
Tech, Technology-wise, it's it's straightforward, well-defined stuff. Sorry to cut you off there, Victor. But uh, from the technology, it's well-defined. I want to have a good identity layer. I want to have a good service layer. I want to make sure I, I, I surface the data that I need. But it's that end-user experience bit that's going to be most of your effort. Yeah, so one important thing is to, to think of as well how we want to deploy your app. Is it a, a line of business application, something you deploy for your uh, tenant only? Uh, then you don't have any restrictions when it comes to user experience and those kind of things. But if you are building your ISV or building your application, want to do, uh, deploy to the public app store, there are some pretty, pretty well-defined uh, restrictions on how, what you can do with the UI and how your application should be built, etc. that are published on, on, on the Microsoft websites, but you have to go through an approval process there. So if you have a third-party application today, you can't just uh, put it in an iframe in a tab and put it in there because it has to approve to certain design guidelines, etc. I think also um, we're not just thinking about that the build and the experience, but also um, as the owner of an application, what can we get out of Teams that we couldn't historically? Uh, you know, there are many human feedback mechanisms uh, within Teams that can be that can be drawn upon uh, in order to understand uh, on an ongoing basis using more than just telemetry. How is this thing working? Is it is it going down well? Are, are we missing areas? Um, and so it, I, I mean, certainly add in 365, that's now a big part of what we think about uh, when we're looking at, uh, at developing our Teams applications. Okay, I want to uh, thank the wonderful um, panel for joining me for uh, our first New Habits uh, blog. By the way, we've called it New Habits because uh, Teams and the new services that are, that are available is, is all about evolving employee working habits from that traditional file sharing and email into uh, things like the Teams service. Uh, and, and we're really unpicking a lot of the um, uh, challenges, but also opportunities uh, in doing that. Next week, we're going to be looking at bots, probably the most overused three-letter word of this year, um, where everything uh, has been uh, defined and, and rebranded as a bot, but actually with very little depth or, or, or meaning when, when you're sort of scratching that surface and looking around at the Microsoft ecosystem at what's actually been produced. Uh, the Teams application famously has WhoBot, what is it? Who is it? Um, and uh, what are some of the use cases for that? Uh, but also, what are some of the uh, extensibility opportunities with uh, the bot interface? Uh, natural language, artificial intelligence are all buzzwords we don't just find uh, in the Microsoft ecosystem, but every time we turn on the television. So that will be uh, the subject uh, of our ne next podcast, which is likely to air in the new year. Thank you. Bye. The New Habits Podcast is produced by Add-in365. Thank you to Victor Villain for participating. Please leave a review in iTunes along with a five-star rating. We appreciate your support. Thank you for listening.